This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Sliders, Season 4, Episode 16, and Season 5, Episode 1. Yeah, last time I looked, I Maggie didn't have a computer chip in the back of her head. Now, you gotta be a double, and not from this world. You slid with us, right? Yes. Where is she? I couldn't stay there. They were killing me. Where is she? Look. Look what they did to me. We'll do whatever we can for you, but we are going back to get out. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast by two floating heads in jars. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Hold on, I got something real. It's uh, uh, It was a line from one of these episodes, and the person said, You want to talk? Go jack in. That should be our new catchphrase. Go jack in. You're always jacking in, Jordan. Yeah, I've always jacked it in. You know someone was like, jack off, and they're like, you can't say that. Like, well, uh, just jack in. Jack in works. I don't I don't think that was the conversation. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was the conversation. Someone had it in the script. It said jack off. They said, you can't say that. And they're like, why? Like, because. And so they said, I'll oh, just put it in jack in. They're like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, they. so they're like, in the original, they're like, let's go tell Maggie to jack off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Go tell her to jack off. All right. Well, save that for your <laughs> behind-the-scenes fanfiction. Because <laughs> this week we are finishing season four and starting the final season of Sliders, season five. And we've we've brought back one of our classic guests who watched some of the season one episodes with us. Welcome back to the podcast, Jane. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So you were here when we did the beginning of Sliders months and months and months ago. I don't remember. Which episodes did you do? <laughs> So I did um, the ep- – I can't remember the names of the episode, but I did the episode where they were in the alternate universe they didn't realize was the alternate universe, and Professor Arturo turned evil, and they built a statue of him, and then they t- it turned out to be oh, yeah. the Azure Gate Bridge instead of the Golden Gate Bridge. So they all, they all like, showed their true colors of being kind of terrible people, except for Quinn, who tried to get everyone to realize that it wasn't their actual home world. And then that, – This sounds like classic literature compared to what the show is now. I know, right? And then the second episode I did with you guys was the first appearance of the Cro-Mags. Mm. Uh, of course, the Cro-Mags. Who we actually, considering the fact that in season four and five, they're the main enemy, we have not seen a single Cro-Mag episode. No, they just keep talking about them. They mentioned them twice in these episodes. It comes up all the time, like, you're not a Cro-Mag, are you? I'm like, ugh, okay, enough with the Cro-Mags. I mean, without going into detail, Jane, like, we don't want to, we're going to get into these episodes here. But, like, do you notice... Other than, you know, there's some cast changes, so like things have changed that way. But have you, did you notice a major shift in sliders coming back to like these very late season episodes? Yeah, I mean, I noticed a big difference. Just and it's it's a little bit hard to describe, and maybe it'll it'll be better at describing it once we've actually gone through the episodes. But it it's the soul of the show is like completely missing. Like every episode just seems to be about this very sort of expositional technical plotty kind of going back and forth and finding this person and getting that person and crossing over to here or there there seems to be like no thematic or philosophical thought of any kind that has gone into either of these episodes and that's a very generic thing to say but I think as we go through it 
it will become maybe what I'm saying will be. No, no. I think that's very on the nose. I think you're right. I think there is no bigger idea behind any episode anymore on sliders. It's just like it's an action-y, plot-heavy, go, 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 and then it's over. Yeah, and none of the characters have any real character to them. They just have lines and things that they do. Like literally, you could interchange any of the actions that take place could be pretty much almost any character. There is an exception in the first episode of this that we're watching today. But yeah, overall, like they don't each have, like the characters themselves don't have unique perspectives on their circumstances and they don't come from a certain direction at any point. They just all kind of say stuff and do stuff and then the episode ends. Well, they're all just little chess pieces on a board (laughs) moving as required. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get into the episodes, though, Jordan has a little segment, especially for Jane. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. How do you want to do this? So I've got, it's a fan fiction segment. Oh, no. I hate these so much. Okay. Sorry. Go. It's okay. I have a bunch of stories. Jane, do you want to pick which one I should read? Yes. I have to pick it because these, like, Jordan reads internet porn segments are my least favorite parts of your podcast. I should just well, mention I'll, right now. I'll say this, that Luke, Luke picked all these, so there will be very little... Uh, sexy time in this. There's one that does have a little bit. I'm hoping you choose it, but I'm not going to tell you which one. Oh, God. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the titles. You can, you can narrow them down, and then if you need more, I can tell you, like, a little summary, too. All right. But just try to do it based on the on the title, and we'll go from there. Okay. Okay. Uh, story the first is called Fixing Things Up. Okay. The way you pronounced it, though, really makes it sound sexy. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that for each of them. This next one, A Lesson in Objective Education. <laughs> Okay. The next one, all weeds to flowers. Okay. Then we've got a long overdue reunion. Okay. Sliders reborn. Ooh. Forgotten. Okay. I'll be home for Christmas. Christmas episode. <laughs> In the wrong song, but the lyrics still fit. And finally, 24 hours in the life. Ooh. Any of those tickle your fancy? Well, I'm on the fence between Sliders reborn and 24 mm-hmm. hours in a life. Luke, what do you think? Oh, I I am uh, agnostic on this. I've picked too many of them. They've gone too badly. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go with Sliders Reborn. Okay, Sliders Reborn. Uh, This is uh, written by Eye Reactions. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And the summary is, in 1995, Quinn, Wade, Rembrandt, and Arturo found the gateway to parallel worlds. 20 years later, the adventure begins again. Oh, so this is taking place, uh, what, in 2025? 2015, maybe. Yeah, and I haven't looked, I only skimmed this. This one. This one's taking place in the year 2000. Wait, that's not 20 years later. Yeah, somehow it is. <laughs> it's taking place in the year 2000. Maybe they mean 2020. Either way, it's taking place in the year 2000, and it's weirdly written, not as a short story, but as a like a like a script. Oh, it's in screenplay format. <laughs> I'll read to the stage directions too. Okay. You'll do voices, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, here we go. On a blank screen, February fourth, two thousand. Fade to interior warehouse storage room. We've seen this warehouse before. We've seen this storage room before. In fact, we've seen this scene before. The sliders of season five: Mallory, Maggie, Diana, and Rembrandt, and also Amanda Mallory and the Seer, as we all remember them. The seer is seated in a chair, weak and limp, the life ebbing from his tired body. Mrs. Mallory is tending to him. Rembrandt stands by her side. This might be in uh, a good one to pick because I think this is season five cast. This makes no sense to me already, but just please continue. I think we're hearing the final episode of Sliders. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, Diana is working with the sliding machine. <clears throat> Should we explain who Diana is? No, it's fine. Don't don't explain. <laughs> we're gonna find her in in uh, one of the episodes we we're gonna watch. Uh, Diana is working with the sliding machine as Maggie and Mallory observe. She triggers the machine. It opens a vortex, but it's a small red sickly vortex fading in and out. Diana says. The device is too badly damaged. There's only enough power to get one of us through. We better decide who's going. Fast! And then Rembrandt moves from the seer and Mrs. Mallory. I'm guessing that's his mom. He produces the uh, vial containing the blood that holds the anti-chromag virus uh, <laughs> and the needle. Maggie and Mallory turn to see Rembrandt injecting himself. All caps. Rembrandt. Just call me Typhoid Remy. <laughs> Just call me Typhoid Remy. He strides towards the tiny vortex. It looks barely enough to carry him to the next world. That's the sentence. If I survive this, this seer, he'll know the coast is clear, gesturing to the sliding machine. Just fix that thing and you'll slide with me, all right? Beat. If not, then you'll have a good life. He claps Mallory on the shoulder and hugs him, embracing both this fragment of his old friend and the new one as well. Rembrandt continued. Take care, Mallory. He moves to Diana, puts his hands on to her cheeks as Diana's face swells with grief. Rembrandt. I'm counting on you, all right? He hugs Diana, and then after releasing her, he reaches for Maggie, the person who has slid with him the longest, the one who knows him the best, meeting her agonized face with a smile. Rembrandt, we're family. <laughs> he kisses her forehead tenderly as she cries, a final hug for her as well, before he steps through the fragile vortex of whatever awakes him, excuse me, awaits him on the other side. With that final look back, Rembrandt and Brown leap into the vortex. The vortex sputters and closes. Rembrandt is gone. Maggie, Mallory, and Diana turn to the seer's slumped form and Mrs. Mallory. Maggie, she's desperate. Mr. LeBeau, can you see our friend? Silence. Diana presses the finger to the seer's neck. Diana, can't find a pulse. Mrs. Mallory, and she's resigned. He's gone. And Maggie and Mallory and Diana stand in horror above the seer's body. Maggie wraps her arms around a worried Diana, comforting both her friend and herself. Mallory stares blankly at where Rembrandt vanished. Mallory. <laughs> what do we do now? Oh my gosh, this just keeps going. <laughs> Flash cut to the inside of the vortex. The streams of energy that form the walls of the interdimensional tunnel race past us. Flash cut to an empty alleyway. Day. The vortex opens and spits Rembrandt out. He drops to his feet as the vortex collapses behind him. Rembrandt is shaken, dazed. He stands awkwardly, but our angle on him keeps shifting and panning back and forth, reflecting the sudden dizziness in Rembrandt's eyes. He rubs the spot in his arm where he injected himself. His head is suddenly spinning. He's having a reaction of some kind. His dizziness overwhelms him and he collapses to the ground. We pull back to a distance from Rembrandt's unmoving but breathing form in his empty alley. We suddenly speed ramp in a spinning camera movement. They have a lot of direction here. You don't do put this much camera direction in a script. <laughs> no, I know. Just for anyone writing, you don't need to do this. The directors don't want this. Rotating to show the mouth of the alley, and we see the three figures rushing into the alley. Seen at a distance, their faces aren't clearly visible, but they appear to be tall, flannel-wearing figures <laughs> with moppy hair, a petite woman with pixie-ish brown hair, and a stout broad man in a long coat. Who could they be, Jordan? <laughs> I know. And this, the, honestly, these directions, you don't need to tell people the camera angles. No one will cares about this. We go to see a side angle of Rembrandt, see his eyes slowly opening, and we see the legs of the three figures standing over his side. Rembrandt what and then the figures standing above Rembrandt speak but we only still see only their legs as they're standing over Rembrandt Quinn off camera it's him or it looks like him Wade check his quantum signature 
Rembrandt closes his eyes as though he's experiencing a wave of pain. From off-camera, there's a click and a beep. Wade, off-camera. Quinn, it's him! We found our Rembrandt! Rembrandt's eyes open. The pain has passed for a moment, but his head is still spinning. We close on Rembrandt to see a flannel-sleeved arm go to Rembrandt's shoulder. They're really holding this secret, huh? Well, it's because these are all doubles. They didn't get the original actors back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Quinn, off-camera. It's okay, Remy. We've been looking for you. Rembrandt's face fills with defiant denial even as his consciousness begins to fade. He mutters, Rembrandt, this can't be happening. Cuball's gone. Wade and the professor are dead. His eyes roll back and he starts to pass out and we go to Rembrandt's point of view. We see the figures standing over him appear to be Quinn Mallory, Wade Wells, and Professor Arturo. Big oh surprise. Oh my god, I never saw it coming. <laughs> yeah, I know. The sunlight behind them keeps their faces in the dark. You're right, Luke, they couldn't get the real cast. But then sunlight shifts and we see their faces in focus. It is indeed Quinn, Wade, and Arturo. In this single shot, the three of them look so young, it's like they stepped out of season two because they've aged so much in they two years. They de-aged them. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, they de-aged them. Yeah, Harrison Four Styles. Arturo, we are sliders, Mr. Brown. A smile. You know, you should know by now that nothing is impossible. We go to a wide angle of Quinn, Wade, and Arturo standing over a fallen Rembrandt. On this, we fade to black. And on this empty screen, the roar of the vortex and the trademark sliders whisper at the is the last thing we hear. Sliders. Sliders. And that's it. You Wait, know what? That wasn't what? bad. Wait, that's so the, the story is he goes through the vortex and meets the originals and then it's that's over. Right. That's the end of the story. And they were and they were waiting for him. Right. And he has a but he has a chromeg virus or something. I guess that yeah, must yeah. be part of the season series finale he was typhoid remy is that how they end the show they like introduce a pandemic to an entire civilization i'm not sure we'll find out not one person said go jack in no didn't catch Sad. on i guess not in <laughs> sliders reborn that's what i don't understand i thought this would be like the beginning of a new series but it just sounds like it's like you go back in time and then do season two again yeah the person was sad that the uh, about the new cast are like, what if they went back and had the cast I liked? <laughs> are you guys planning on watching through to the final or like a few more episodes to get to the finale? We always watch the finale. Well, I I don't know. I, I couldn't remember if you guys had just paused on sliders or pulled the escape pod. No, no, it was paused. We're back right now. You're about to watch more sliders. <laughs> what did well, you watch? Well, I didn't know if I was. I, I thought maybe I was watching sliders for charity. Like, I don't know what's going on. No one requested you for charity, <laughs> God, I hope we don't have people requesting special guests for charity. That'd be such more, so much of scheduling pain. No, I thought they were requesting sliders for charity. No, no one would request this show. No. But you guys hated it so much. Yeah, it didn't fall below the, uh, didn't fall below <laughs> the cutoff point. So we're still right. here. All right. Episode 16. Awesome. Let's do it. Here's the INDB summary for Season 4, Episode 16, Slide by Wire. Maggie's double leaves her stranded on a militarized world where she is united with her dead husband's double. All right. I'm going to say one thing off the, the beginning. When this character uh, first showed up, I said to Luke, she seems like a really bad actress. Oh, my God. And, and then I thought, well, that's maybe not fair because they aren't giving her a very good material. But I'm going to go back to my original thought. She's a terrible She's actress. She's so bad. That's like one of the first things that I like sort She's of really complained bad. about after watching this first episode. I'm like, who is this person? Why are they main character? And why are they such a bad actress? Well, she was worth it. It was worth removing Wade Wells for her. That's for sure. That's what the network knew for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was a little bit disoriented, obviously, at the beginning of this episode because I didn't even know that she was a main character. But um, I figured it out pretty quickly. The only thing worse than her acting is her action sequences. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we open on Maggie, speaking of her, and, and she's in this high-tech military facility, and she's uh, she's running around, she's knocking people out, she's stealing these little circular chips off some, like, comatose man on some sort of, yeah. like, high-tech bed with, like, wires running in and out of him, and then she, like, runs out of the base and sees the sliders getting ready to slide, she's like, wait for me, and they all, like, slide away together. Luke, you missed the most important part of this whole sequence. What's that? Where, for no reason, uh, she gets undressed. Yes, she takes her top off for no reason. Yeah. I mean, we all know there was a reason. <laughs> but it's just, it's it's so shameless. Like, there's no reason. She's like, well, I guess I better just take my top off. And you're like, okay, yeah. you do you. But then she puts another top on. Like, I didn't even understand. what she, she, like, got to the door, took off her shirt. I know. Put on another shirt. I... It's just a line of dialogue. She could have just went like, I'm itchy. <laughs> <laughs> but as she slides away, the camera pans over and reveals... What's this? Another Maggie yelling, don't slide with her. She's not the real me. <laughs> yeah, which is like a plot we've seen now about 45 times, which is the wrong person's there. And whatever reason, our characters are so dumb, they can't figure it out, even though the person acts completely different. And they've been sliding to different worlds and they know there's doubles. Yeah, although when we first watched the show together, when I did, when I did it last time, you guys were bemoaning the fact that there weren't enough doubles. Early on, you were kept saying that you wish there were more doubles, and then yeah. when when there was a double Arturo, you were really excited about it. But now, I guess they've just they've gone to that well too many times. No, no, it's not the doubles that are the problem. But we've seen now, uh, especially in these late seasons, is they will bump into a double, and that double will behave completely like opposite of a character they've known for you know weeks to years. And these sliders are unable to recognize the difference. And that's become like a right. trend where the sliders can't tell doubles apart, despite them being personality-wise utterly different. Yeah, I did have many questions for during the period where they did not recognize that she was a double and she was very clearly acting strangely. Yes, well, this, this episode splits into basically two separate plots. One with the real Maggie who's left behind on this world, and the one with the double Maggie who goes with the sliders. And so I think I'm going to focus on what the double gets up to first, because they don't really cross over till the end, and I think it'll be easier to discuss this way. And I'm just going to say right off the bat, I don't understand the real Maggie. I don't understand what she's actually trying to do the entire time. Well, we'll get into it, because that's the second part of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think I really understood that either. There are a number of things I didn't understand about several of these things, but okay. Okay. Well, the sliders, when they slide off with Double Maggie, they seem to land on a medieval Earth. The Earth they land on is, uh, they quickly discover, has outlawed technology, a concept we've seen before, but that's what's happening on this world. So they all live in, like, medieval times. Yeah, but, like, sort of. Sort, sort of, of, yeah. And what they see very quickly is a man who is thrown into a nuclearly irradiated room. It's like glowing green um, because he had a CRT monitor in his home. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is clearly an anti-tech post-nuclear war society. So, like, there had been some kind of nuclear thing that happened. There's various devices that have new have like the radioactive symbol on them but now the society is existing as this sort of yeah medieval style uh luddite collective yeah there's a group of like anti-tech uh inquisition people who like govern they were governed by laws that like say no technology and like at some point they show us the book they follow they're like this is the the like religious text we follow and it's just the uh quote el diablo nuclear generating facility operating manual and i was just like i don't see how you get much out of that but okie dokie 
But it's hilarious later because it actually turns out to be like the HR manual, like the human resources manual that like describes how you're supposed to deal with employees if they're not following the rules. And they've taken this to mean this is how you deal with people who are acting against society. It's anyway, it's really funny. My biggest issue with this and and basically late season sliders is something you mentioned at the beginning, Jane, which is there's no real thought or theme or moral or idea behind this like they've decided to go to medieval world for, for no real reason and they've given it very little thought or any real explanation it's not really important at all and they just were like yeah medieval world and that's all you get well i can tell you exactly what this is because as we've said there's like these people who are in the inquisition they're dressed like they're medieval and jane you said they have like little radioactive signs like embroidered into their clothes this is just one of the writers had read uh Cantusil for Leibowitz. And this is the dumbest down version they could come up with. They're like, how can we dumb this down to like the most basic concept? Yeah, I mean, it just seems like they're, the only purpose of of the alternate, any alternate world is to just put the group in peril. Like it's like, oh, they're going to be threatened by whatever this world is. It doesn't matter what the world is. There's no conversation about what, you know, what the meaning behind it is or the theme behind it. It's just like, let's just make it so it's not safe for them but also can i note that this is where it also started to bother me and maybe this maybe you guys are past this because you've watched this so many much so much now but they also don't seem to be trying to blend in at all they're just there they're walking around they're not Mm -hmm. they're not concerned that they might not have the right clothing they're not concerned that they might not be acting the right way they are also completely fine with just chatting to people in the world and asking questions that like maybe they should know the answer to, but they're not worried that someone's going to find them out. It's, it was very like, you know, anticlimactic, I guess. It's very true. They arrive and they're like, we need to keep a low profile since we have technology, but everyone is dressed like a peasant from like the 1600s and they just walk around in their jeans and jackets, not even attempting to like blend in and nobody bothers no one. They're just like, look at these strangers. (laughs) Because it's symptomatic of how lazy the show is and how lazy it's become. It's why why do they just talk to people without caring about consequences? Because the writers don't care. Why do they not have to uh, get clothing to blend in? Because they don't care. Why is it medieval world? Does it have any sort of reason for being there? Does it have like anything that matters to the plot? Nah, they just don't care. So it's just like, but like you picked this world. You could have picked any world. It could have been lego world where all the bricks are lego it could be anything you wanted they picked a world that they're not interested in so it's like why should i a viewer as a viewer be interested yeah and they seem to be living at a, at an inn or a hotel semi-regularly now is that part of the, the plot of the show that they're always in the, staying in the same place we saw it early in the like first couple seasons too but that's they really like established it late in these seasons the idea being that just like there's a hotel they always meet at after they slide into anywhere it's it's a fail safe if they get separated kind of thing but they, which is fine. I think we saw a little bit, I think in the first couple of seasons, they kept going to the same hotel. But now that they've moved to L.A., there's a very specific hotel in L.A. they go to. So it, okay. it's, that's fairly consistent, at least. But it, it's, I guess it's just a rally point they can rely on every time. Um, but, you know, as you sort of mentioned earlier, uh, the double they brought with them, she, like, could not be any more obvious about she's Like, when they land on this world, the first thing the double says, she's like, wow, I've never experienced anything like sliding before. And <laughs> all of the characters are like, okay. And I'm like, she just said she's never slid in her life. None of you have any follow-up questions. Yeah. And then she's just as excited about the horses and wants to go horseback riding and doesn't seem to care about it. And it's just sort of like, 
she's so very obviously not on the same wavelength as these guys. Yeah, she spends most of this episode in this medieval world, like, flirting with Quinn and uh, buying strange blue science fiction fruit. <laughs> and she also has a gigantic, like, bolt in her neck that they can't see because her hair is slightly obscured. Nobody notices. <laughs> yeah. But this bolt in her neck is making her sick. So throughout the throughout her time here, she keeps running off abruptly. And she's like, runs away. And the sliders are like, that's weird. Where's she going? And it's because she has to like switch the chip out or she gets sick. Because as we come to find out, this is all a result of she, her brain on this other world. This double's brain has been swapped out partially with a computer. And because she can't get regular updates from the like mainframe, it's making her sick. Yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't very well explained. But basically... She, she has these little chips that she attaches to her neck that are supposed to substitute for being attached to the mainframe, but they aren't working very well or they aren't working as she expected them to work. So she's still suffering the consequences of not being attached to the mainframe anyway, but then also was just sort of knew that they weren't going to work and that she was probably going to die anyway. And was fine with that because she wanted to escape her world so badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at some point, Rembrandt finally, like, clues and He sees her, her the strange behavior. And I think he brings it up even. He, I think he tells Quinn, he's just like, hey, she's acting really weird. And Quinn literally is just like, ignore it. Don't think about it. <laughs> I was like, man, oh, man, so funny. Uh, but he follows her, sees her switching out her neck chips. And uh, when Maggie, the Maggie double is discovered by Rembrandt, she just like screams for the Inquisition to take him away because he's a he's a technology man. Take him away, Inquisition. And they do. And uh, basically the double's just like saved again. Yeah. In fact, it's so funny because like she like the next time we see her, she's she's getting together with Quinn. They're really like playing up that romance that we've like seen on and off throughout these episodes. And she's like really leaning into it. And. She's telling Quinn, she's like, yeah, I bumped into Rembrandt. We're not going to see him again. He said he loves it on this world and he's going to build a life here. Uh, so I hope you have no follow-up questions. And then Quinn's brother Colin walks in. He's like, hey, everybody, Rembrandt was arrested. And she's like, uh-oh, my lie got caught immediately. Immediately. Like, there's, they didn't even put a scene in between where Quinn is, like, trying to deal with the fact that maybe he's not going to see his friend again. Like, even, like, the most obvious writing thing where you're just – you could just put something in that would add a little bit to the character. It's like, no, we're going to say this thing, but then it's going to have no consequences because we're going to immediately find out that it's a lie. And then – they're going to confront her, and then they're going to immediately just be like, but we'll help you. Yeah, she just comes clean. As soon as she's caught in the lie, she's just like, I escaped my world because I, I hate this, uh, this like, cyborg implants I got. Which, it's so funny. She talks about how, like, cruel it is and how evil it is they did this. Except we'll come learn, like, it's all self-inflicted. Like, she volunteered to get all this done. So mm -hmm. it's, like, really, yeah. like, so she's, like, really giving a sob story to them about, like, this awful world she had to leave where all the stuff happened. And then all the, the two sliders, like Quinn and McConaughey, and they're like, yeah, but like you sacrificed Rembrandt to die. Like I, like they're, they're like, they listen to her soft story and are like, yeah, but you just did the most evil thing you could do. Like, why are we going to feel bad for you? <laughs> but then they do feel bad for her and they are just like, we'll all help you and rescue Rembrandt. And this is kind of what they do is they, they go, it's all very quick. They go to stop Rembrandt from, from being thrown in the radioactive room for having technology. And I mean, they have almost like no plan here. It's like the most poorly conceived concept. But Quinn just walks up as in front of everybody. He's just like, stop everyone. Uh, Rembrandt and I are wizards called uh, Rem Remlio and Quintar. And uh, 
we're very powerful and also uh technology is a tool it's neither good nor evil um uh, i don't know what to do now so give me the slide timer i'm gonna open the slide hole and scare you all and we're gonna slide away and it's just like this bizarre moment and once it's over the funniest line of the mo- of the show is rembrandt turns to quinn he's just like what were you doing up there what what were you saying quintar it doesn't make any sense and quinn says I don't know. I don't have any writers. What am I supposed to do? And I'm just <laughs> like, say that. <laughs> why are the writers commenting on the fact they're bad at their job? I mean, for a second, I was like, was there a writer's strike happening when this episode was written? Like, what's that? But then it's, it's too early for the writer's strike. It was in the 90s. So it clearly wasn't that. But I thought it's the exact same thing. I'm like, who is writing that they there are no writers? Like, is it just somebody just... One of the writers just hates the show. So maybe the showrunner just like added added it in because he hates the writers so much at this point. It was bizarre. It was such a funny line to draw attention to the writing in the show. Um, and before we go any further, can I surprise you with something? Uh, these two episodes we're watching were written in part or in full. I think they might have co-wrote them. I can't be 100% sure. But a writer named Chris Black wrote both of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Okay. You may have seen his work because he also writes for Severance on Apple TV. <laughs> no way. Oh, man. So his career got significantly better. Yeah. Well, either he learned how to be a better writer or somebody was undermining him in these episodes. I, I think it just goes to show that just like the general marching orders on this show are just like, don't do a good job. Just pound something out real fast and send it in. And I, I think that's like, it's just like, there's no reason or rhyme. Like, clearly there's some talent behind the man who wrote both of these episodes. But yeah. it's just like, he was clearly been like, don't show it. Whatever you do, don't add your talent to these episodes. <laughs> man, that's amazing. Yeah, because there was this, these episodes make so little sense in so many ways. And there's so many opportunities for expansion and interest that they just... They just don't even bother with. But yeah, that pretty much sums up the medieval world thing is that the sliders go to medieval world where technology is outlawed. They cannot notice Maggie as a double despite her completely acting differently. And when they finally figure it out, they very quickly just wrap it up and escape the world. Um, so that'll bring us back to regular Maggie, the Maggie we know and mm-hmm. love, Jordan. Can I ask yeah. a question before we go further? So have you guys watched other episodes with this with Colin in, in it? Only one. Colin comes in mid-season four. Right. So I, I, I had no idea who this guy was, and they don't actually mention in this episode that he is Quinn's brother. It's never mentioned. You didn't recognize the familiar resemblance? Well, I, <laughs> I was like, why would they possibly cast a person that looks exactly like Jerry O'Connell? Because like literally every time Colin started speaking, I was watching this and I would think it was Jerry O'Connell and then I would realize that it was the other guy. I'm like, you cannot cast two people that look the same. It's because they were like, hey, you know how everyone likes Jerry O'Connell? What if we have a slightly worse actor who's slightly dumber and slightly worse in every way? Let's have him on screen too. Yeah, well, he, but he is Jerry O'Connell's brother. That's correct. So, so, which I found out afterwards. So I was like, okay, so clearly... This is why they're doing this. But it just from a storytelling, from a visual sense, it's like any movie like and I've seen this happen and it always fails. It's like when you have a movie that's like about two girls and the girls look the same, like it's stupid. Like you have to make people look different so that when they're on screen, they they create a different presence. And Jerry O'Connell and his brother 
despite Jerry O'Connell being like a much better actor, they have the same on-screen presence almost exactly. And it's <laughs> stupid. I'll tell you something I learned about him. Uh, I was I was watching this episode last night uh, and Jamie leaned over to me. She said, he was in The Bachelor. And it's true. No way. He was, he was, he was a bachelor in one of the seasons of The Bachelor. The brother? Yeah, in real life. Oh my God. Did he, did he end up with anybody? I don't think so. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't look past that, right. but apparently he was in the bachelor. Right. So his career is going well. That's very funny. Good to know he, uh, he, he's out there doing stuff. <laughs> he's out there dating ladies. It's just such a weird choice to bring this guy in. Who looks exactly the same as your lead. I, I, sounds the same. He also has no, no effect on this episode whatsoever. No, he was a total sidekick. And that's the other thing I wanted to ask is like, does he actually have any kind of personality whatsoever? The episode we've seen him in, he was a lead character, but mostly because his double was a, a major character in it. But as far I as I can tell, his character seems to have come from a world where he was a bit of a, I don't know, shut in's not the right world, but he like feels like he was raised somewhere where he had no formal education, but was like kind of sheltered. So he says big words a lot, but he has like, he's very naive, seems to be his character. Like he doesn't know the world very well. But he's, I think he's supposed to be quite smart, maybe. Okay. Okay. He uses a lot of big words anytime they let him talk, which makes me think they're like implying something about him. Right. At any rate, shall we get on to see what our, our favorite Maggie's doing? Mm-hmm. She's been playing it cool while being grilled by her superiors or the superiors of her double on this world. They're, they want to know what happened yeah. to the missing chips. And she's pretty good. She like plays it down so they don't think she's responsible. Um, and she quickly comes to learn that on this earth, the Cold War apparently had ended at some point, but it's also restarted. So the Cold War is back. Thank God. Okay, I got a question to start it off. Are our sliders, before we talk about doubles, what were they doing on this planet? Because they were in the facility, they were running around, they were doing something before they slid out and uh, Maggie got doubled and the wrong one went. What were they doing? Nothing. They weren't doing anything, they say. Well, no, they were trying to get... They they did say they were trying to get Maggie was in the lab because she was trying yeah. to steal some tech or something from them because that's what I mean because this no no world, no 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 <laughs> yes this world yes. has quantum translocation or is trying to develop quantum translocation no 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 they don't know that <laughs> well no but what were they doing because they, that's what they say Ma- that's what they say because when when Maggie the fake double comes back over yeah. she mentions all this stuff and she's obviously making it up but they tracks at least in some way with what they were trying to do because they were like what were you in the facility for and she gives a lie but the real maggie had to be in the facility no they say they say did you make (laughs) it to the lab and she's like the lab and they're like yeah the lab that we were trying to get you to break into remember that lab there's a whole thing that happens no here's what happens is that at some point they'll say (laughs) the double maggie happened to see her double walk by and as we've seen these late episodes if all these doubles now see like they're alternate real world people and they don't panic. They don't get upset. They just immediately take advantage of the idea a double exists. And the Maggie's double says she saw her double walk by. She knocked her unconscious, put on her clothes and then went to steal the tech. And then when they see her at the end, they're like, where, just before they slide the stars, like, where were you? We've been, I don't understand where you went to. And she's like, oh, this world has quantum technology. I was stealing it for like the sliders weren't doing anything. They, Literally, Maggie wandered off, got knocked out, and then this other lady came in and just made up all these excuses. No, because their Maggie was in the facility and came across the fake Maggie in the facility. No, no. She was outside. She got knocked out outside. 
what? See, I don't think I'm sort. Right. I'm sort of with Jane on this, but regardless, regardless, let's say let's say that's all correct, and maybe it is. So she gets knocked out. She gets interrogated. What would be the first thing you do? You'd say, "I'm not your person." Blah blah blah. Give some excuse. But she, without a beat, sort of just takes up the character of who she's, who the other Maggie is. Yeah, she does the exact opposite of fake Maggie. Like fake Maggie yes. is just being herself and doesn't care if she gets caught. And real Maggie is immediately trying to blend in, and she does it actually quite well. Well, it's not that hard for her. like this is who she used to be was a fighter pilot. Like it's pretty easy to fall into that role. Oh, yeah, but not really. Right. If she wasn't a fighter pilot, that was like half robot that had to plug herself in yeah, that no one notices. Yeah, they questions about the robot part first. They're just like, ask her like, did you see anyone breaking in? And she's just like, I saw some people. She just throws suspicion off herself. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, what I'm saying is, I, I don't think it works very well. I think there's a real plot holes here. I like that you're arguing that she should just immediately say, I'm a slider, which we've complained about at them doing every single time. Well, it's it's not so much that, but I just don't think it makes sense with a world as complicated as it is with this technology. Um, I don't, I don't think it makes sense that she would be able to blend in so well. So I think there, she would, I, I just think it's a more interesting thing for her to do than just have everyone in the world be stupid and just think she's the same person. I don't know. I just think there's more interesting ways you can do this. This was the least defensive part of the episode. I, <laughs> I don't know. At any rate, despite our c- conflicted ideas of why the sliders were here and what they were doing, <laughs> Maggie basically does manage to blend in to this new world where she kind of learns the, the the general gist is like they're back at war, a cold war with Russia, and they're worried there are spies everywhere, military tensions are high, and she learns quickly her double is a pilot that got this special computerized brain implanted so that essentially she can fly drones. Like this whole world is just like, what if we had drones, but the only way to fly them was to plug them into your brain? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a really awesome version of this episode that is doesn't exist where you actually see fighter pilot stuff happening. So where like they plug in as pilots and then you're transported into the cockpit of the the drone and they fly around and have dog fights and do stuff and she like bonds with the guy that she's like her flying partner that she's flown with for the last three years and they do all this stuff and then they come back out and it's you know they've been strapped to these machines the whole time because it's all like essentially like a, a VR simulation thing. Um but that didn't happen. What they had instead was they had a set that was like a room with like some wires and some people lying on like, you know, cots or gurneys and these tiny little CRT monitors that had like old like footage of some random little dogfight on it that was like three inches by three inches. And this is what, what we have to watch as an audience when we're watching these pilots do these maneuvers. We have to watch like a screen inside a screen of like these little tiny brown dots fighting and a few little target animations and then it's over and i was very sad about that it's even funnier than that too jen because when they show that when they show the barracks and they're all like and they're like these are our i believe they call them neurosims where we practice uh practice practice dog fighting while we sleep and her her partner this like guy we'll never see him again but he's like apparently her co-pilot He's like, well, I'm going to go to bed and use my neurosim. And he leans over and we see like the monitor ready to go. He's like, time to start the sim. And they literally show the like the the interface screen for a VCR. It literally says SLP in the corner, super long play. 
And then the play button starts and the tape starts running. It's like, time to start the sim. I'm just like, you guys just use the VCR? That's what you guys use to do a sim? I did not notice that. That's hilarious. I was blown away. I was like, nobody's trying anymore. <laughs> no, the playback guy is just hitting the button right on the, on and, the camera. And speaking... Speaking of no one trying, on the uh, on the uh, medieval world, no one notices that Maggie has a big chip in her neck. And in this world, no one is, notices that Maggie doesn't have a chip, even though there's multiple scenes where, like, you could just see her bare neck. And no one's like, wait a minute. Are you supposed to have a little chip there? Yeah, and her hair was, like, tied back or something in this, in this world, too. It wasn't even... L- literally, there's a scene at the end of this where, like, they have to undress her and put her on, like, an operating table... And it's not till like a 10 minute conversation at the very end of it. She's like, hey, don't you notice I don't have a neck thing? And the doctor's like, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> you know, then the, but they're also just like, oh, we just thought you removed it because you're a traitor. But it's like there's not even a scar on her neck. Like, what are you even saying? It, yeah, made no sense. Anyway, Maggie decides she's going to sneak around the base because she's stuck here. She's not sure what to do. She's barely fitting in. And this is why I know they weren't looking for anything when they were there. Because she says she's just like, I'm going to look around and just see if they happen to be also doing sliding research here. She has no she has no idea if they are, but she's like, I'm just going to look around randomly and hopefully maybe there's also sliding research happening here. I think that mm. she knows that there is because I wrote down quantum translocation in like from like the teaser section. Yeah, that's just because that's what the double said. Okay. Because she's like, I'm hoping maybe they're also doing sliding technology here. And of course... They are, in fact, doing some sliding research here. And not only are they doing sliding research here, her dead ex-husband is doing the research. Though you wouldn't know it because it's a different actor playing him, so it takes a quick second. Oh, really? Yeah. That was that was a real thing where you're supposed to have this like emotional beat of like, oh, it's my, my ex-husband. And it's like, I've never seen this man before in my life. I know. I was also like watching him just like they're really framing this guy in a way like i should know him but i don't know who this is and i'm like oh i see this is they couldn't get the guy back so it's a new guy so did you guys watch the episode where she started on the show we did mm-hmm. yes okay we did. okay so you know what her her backstory is she's from a different world or something yes yes up- well there okay. the episode where she joins the show is the same episode where they kill rembrandt it's a it's a one for one trade so we got to see both of those arturo things. they killed arturo oh, arturo i apologize right okay anyway so she's finding her hot husband. He's dead. You know, we're supposed to be getting some emotional, like, she's like, she's so happy to see him. And we get to learn a little more about her double, that apparently on this world, the double Maggie broke up with her uh, husband because she was desperate to become this uh, cyborg, cyborg drone pilot. And then the husband reveals, he's like, and then you got so mad at me because you were mad at me for turning you into the cyborg you asked to be turned into. <laughs> I was just like, this double Maggie is not a very, uh, like, likable character. No, she's clearly not very self-reflective at all. <laughs> and um, we come to learn that the, 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 pro- the procedure of returning your brain into a computer is not great. Uh, a lot of the pilots are apparently tending to die, and we quickly see that as they test it, a pilot dies on the table trying to pilot these drones. So the superiors come in and say, this isn't working. Let's move on to the next stage of experimentation. And they just take Meg in. They're like, here's the next stage. Uh, we're just cutting people's heads off and putting them in jars. And they're just becoming, uh, what do they call them? Organic flight computers. Also, it's your turn to have your head lobbed off and put into a, into a jar. And they're like, so uh, get ready for that, I guess. Yeah, that was quite horrific. I was just like, how is this even? I mean, I, I get okay, you're trying to kind of make some kind of ethical statement about this, but it was 
because everyone seemed to be volunteering for this, I was like, oh, I guess these guys volunteered to have their heads cut off and be put in jars. I have a, I have a question. Don't do, doesn't the chip get wet in that jar? That that jar of liquid? It's waterproof. Oh, it's waterproof. Okay, that is fine. That's cut yeah, their yeah, heads yeah. off. Yeah, they got waterproof technology on this earth. It is very funny. They like give they present it to her very matter of fact. They're like, well, now we're gonna chop off your head. I'm like, would this have been okay with the other Meg? I don't think so. I don't know why you guys are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're ready for this, right? Yeah, except that everyone w- was willing to do it. Like it was part of what they expected to have happen, maybe. I think it's because they're all patriots. They really are leaning into it. It's like, you're all patriots. So you're very excited to have your heads lobbed off to fight the to fight the Soviets. <laughs> but yeah, as you said, this is the moment where they like lift her hair up. And they're like, oh, wait, you don't have a chip. And uh, she's like, well, I'm, it's because I'm a slider. And they're like, no, I think it's because a Luddite terrorist took it out. But uh, yeah, we're still cutting your head off. Yeah. And we finally cross the stories back over. The sliders return to this world with a double. They've left anti-tech world. And what, one of my favorite things, so they get back and they're like, well, we got to break into the facility. They're like, yeah. Quinn, uh, pull off the electronic lock. Disable it for us. And he pulls like a, a panel off this lock. She's like, hand me those wires. I'm going to plug them into the chip in my neck. And I'm like, oh, cool. She's going she's gonna to hack the locks with, her, with the computer <laughs> in her brain. And they plug it in. And she's, they're like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm sending an email to my ex-husband. I'm like, she plugged those wires into her brain to send an email? And that's what she does. She sends an email. It's a great yeah. email. It's like, come help me right now at the door. And then he comes to the door. But can I, so before we go any further, can I just ask you guys, because you must know the answer to this, how are they able to decide what world they're going to? How are they able to go back to a place they already were at? Is this something they figured out how to do now? They've sort of... In one of the episodes, they sort of added a piece where some tech they picked up allows them to, like, follow wormholes they've already... Either someone's used on that world or ones they've come through. So they have some, like, loose information on how to, like, not pinpoint where they're going. But they can't just backtrack themselves all the way home at this point if they can't well, go backwards? Well, you would think so, but uh, <laughs> they haven't thought of that idea yet. Gotcha. All right. I guess, that what, I guess the problem with that is one of the worlds they definitely went to... Uh, exploded, so uh, they probably can't go back to that world. So that's a dead end now at this point. I see. There we go. We solved the problem. That's okay. why they can't do it. Okay. Because I was I was totally thrown by that because I was like, oh, they're never going to be able to get back and find she's left behind. Like she's she'll they'll never get her. And then they, they just didn't really even say anything and just went back. It's just part of the show now. You just you just go along with it. You're just like, okay, dokie, this is what's happening. Yeah. You make fun of you make fun of her email though, but it was very effective because he comes down like in ten seconds. Like he's like me. If I get an email, I see it right away. So he's he's checking his email, he's hitting refresh all the time, and he's out the doorway, opens it for them. So I was like, pretty good email. I also thought of you too. I was just like, just send this email to Jordan at two in the morning. He's gonna get out of bed. He's gonna go do it right that yeah. second. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. Email comes in, you gotta deal with it. Everyone knows emails are the most highest priority <laughs> thing in your life. <laughs> You know what's funny? On a side note, I always have to remind myself that not everyone does that. Like, I get emails and I'm like, I'm on emails all day. And then other people, like, they haven't written me back in a week. I'm like, I don't understand. Their email's in front of them. They just don't answer <laughs> right away. They don't answer in 30 seconds. Anyways, me and this doctor could be friends. <laughs> anyway, the doctor sees them and he's like, oh, my God, sliders are real. Maggie was right. It's sliding things. And they're like, let's team up. And there's like a hard cut where we miss the point where they're like, Let's come up with a plan on how to save Maggie. But, like, we just jump from them meeting to, like, what the plan is in motion. Yeah, it was a very bizarre, like, switch to a new scene. Yeah, yeah. What we see is the plan's in effect. 
They've got Maggie laid on a table. They're at the, I guess they're going to do the experiment where they're going to chop off her head. The superior officer's there waiting for it to happen. We see all our other characters are wearing like surgical masks in the background because they're like blending in as like nurses or whatever. So we know, we know the plans in effect. And my favorite part is they've got Maggie laying on a table. And I'm like, which Maggie? It's got to be the one that doesn't have an implant. And you look down and it's the one with an implant because they've run stuff into her neck. And I'm just like, does the superior officer not realize this woman who just had no neck implant now has a neck implant again? Yeah, I think maybe Stephen lied and pretended that he had reinstalled her implant or something. Fair enough. And they do a thing that I expected. It was just like... You know, they, they're, they're, I'm like, oh, they're going to fake her death so they can, like, you know, help ma- double Maggie escape because they'll fake her death and then, like, they can escape. You know, it's, it's a perfectly natural plan. And then I came to realize as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, no, wait. They're actually, like, temporarily killing double Maggie so the superior thinks she's – because, like, so the superior's like, oh, she died in the process. Well, I guess we'll have to find someone else. And she walks out and they're like, all right, real quick, bring her back to life. I'm like – Oh, you guys couldn't fake her dying? You guys actually killed her for 10 seconds? Yeah, it's a good thing they knew that the superior wasn't going to hang out in that room for very long. Otherwise, their entire plan would have been foiled. I know. I was like, I want an autopsy right now. (laughs) I think they just figured, like, worst case, they'll find another Maggie, another planet. This ex-husband's not going to, though. She's losing his one Maggie. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but he didn't care about her at all until three hours before. Because they had had a falling out and he didn't want to deal with her anymore. So, All's forgiven, Jane. All's forgiven. <laughs> Clearly. Anyway, the plans work. They've double Maggie now. Her death's been fake so she can escape her horrible fate as being a drone pilot and run away with her alive husband. Regular Maggie's reunited with the sliders. And the two Maggie's finally get to meet and like have an apology for like knocking her out and stealing her life. And they do one of the most pure, poorly executed uh, split screens I've ever seen. <laughs> well, it's it's. I think the major issue is their eyes don't line up at all. Like, they, they, not only do they seem like they might be a slightly different sizes, but they're looking in completely different directions. And I was like, "Ooh, guys!" Like, I've seen I've seen stuff in the seventies that did this better. Yeah, and then one of the Maggies looks away before the conversation is even over. Like, they didn't even get the timing <laughs> right. And they're trying to play it like she's looking to, like, look at Quinn maybe, but it doesn't make any sense. She should be looking at herself and she looks way too early. Like, it's it was bad. And, yeah, one of them is way bigger than the other one. It's a weird perspective. <laughs> it was very funny. I was just like, well, uh, this didn't go well either. And, anyway, they all slide away and that's, that's the end of the episode. But you know what? In the end, we learned a lot about Maggie. Did we? Nope. Yeah, she misses her dead husband. <laughs> nope. Yeah, we learned nothing. Right, because everything – I mean, I learned things – by osmosis because i was new to the this character in the show but presumably everything a viewer of sliders would have already known well jane forget everything you know because it's time for the imd subway for season five episode one the unstuck man this one was just like a mind blown situation okay go for it maggie stop him if he kills me little thomas will grow up without a father what What did you mean by that? I don't know. It just came out. We got married. Had a son. Named him after your father, the general. And you're Rembrandt. Rembrandt Brown. We've been together since the beginning. You're like a brother to me. A brother. I got a brother. I had a
The Mallory brothers become separated from the rest of the sliders when another person appears in the vortex with them. Quinn appears to have jumped into the body of himself in the world they arrive in, but the fate of his brother remains unknown. Uh, and that was courtesy of Chapman underscore Glenn. I'm going to say this reminded me a little bit, and Jane, I don't know if you listened to our podcast when we were doing Sequest, but Sequest had a big uh, cast change, or at least the major character left, and all the characters died at the end of season four, so they had to bring them back. And they had to do this like real mental gymnastics way of like getting people back. That's what this felt like, but executed the most poor way you could ever achieve it. Like, it's at all times way too complicated and also way too simple and dumb. And that's an amazing balancing act to, to be able to accomplish, to make this, like, really complicated. And at the same time, you're bored out of your mind because it's so stupid. Yeah, I, I thought exactly the same thing. And I, I did, had listened to your Sequest stuff, so I, w- I thought of that a lot. But there was just... They spend so much time, this entire episode, just trying to techno babble away this, this casting change that they've made. And mm-hmm. as a consequence, there's zero substance to the entire episode. And it's so boring. It's it's one of the worst episodes of television. And I feel like I say this sometimes, but this has got to be top top three, top five worst episodes of television we watched on this podcast. <laughs> you do say that a lot. Yeah. But the, the list keeps growing, but that's why it's like top three or five because there's some really bad ones. But this is this is a real stinker. Yeah. Well, it opens on the literal shadowy figure of Dr. Oberon Geiger. Uh, he's he's <laughs> testing some sort of slide cannon on some world we've never been to. And I don't know if you guys ever watched Tim and Eric, but this guy looks exactly like Eric Wareheim from Tim and Eric. So it was really hard for me to watch this man because I was just like, am I watching a Tim and Eric sketch? Because it has the same level of depth and insanity of Tim. So I was blown away by this actor. I don't know if anyone watched uh, Babylon 5, but he I didn't watch Babylon 5. But you know the guy with the big weird hair, Londo Malori? He played him for all the episodes. That's who that guy is. Oh, interesting. Don't know who that is. Never seen him. <laughs> Babylon 5. At any rate, he is basically uh, got his own sliding stuff. We're, we're, see- we're like, oh, we're seeing some other sliding scientists on some other world. And they're about to do a test on some test subject. And he briefly is like, hold, hold the countdown for a second. All right, now go again. And what we do, what this is, is we get a cut from his countdown to the countdown on the sliders timer. And what we see is Rembrandt's holding it. They're on some sort of like world where they're all shooting all the time. I don't know what's happening. We don't really have any sense, but we just know the sliders are on the run from someone because they're firing guns constantly. And very quickly we see that Rembrandt and Maggie are there, but then we get cutaways to Quinn and Colin where we very clearly are not showing their faces. It's all legs and the backs of heads. And I believe Quinn says one line of dialogue, and it is quite clearly not Jerry O'Connell saying that line of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a, a, a very well executed uh, a fake of the two brothers. Yes, yes. Uh, they clearly have left the show, but uh, the slide hole opens, they jump in, and for the first time ever, I think, Jordan, anyway, the episodes we've seen, we see scenes happening inside the slide hole. <laughs> yeah. And we had just talked about this. We just talked about this in the last episode, that we've never seen it and then we get an extended sequence of them floating so now we know what it kind of looks like we know where they get some time inside it they can hang out they can chat when they're sliding and Mm -hmm. while they're in there we're told later that they see an explosion um but what we kind of see in the actual show is that like somewhere behind them the doubles they've hired to play the Mally brothers just out of focus are floating behind them and they seem to be sucked into a different hole that's what we see later we'll get a different explanation for what happens but what it really looks like is they're sucked out of the slide hole 
and then Rembrandt and Maggie emerge on a different Earth. They can't see their, their friends anywhere, and they turn around, and that test subject we saw in the cold open is standing in a, in a river next to them, and he's just like, who are you guys? Because I'm Quinn Mallory, and we're like, oh my god, what a twist, and we go to the credits. Yeah. And then the credits have only Rembrandt and Maggie in them. This is my favorite part. So is that, like, funny. Rembrandt's taken over the monologue in the opening, and I was just like, you guys should have just called it Rembrandt Sliders now. This should just be like, center Rembrandt, it's Rembrandt Sliders, he gets to run the show now. Yeah, and they have all the montages, only stuff where Rembrandt and Maggie are in frame together. There's no, like, I, I don't know if it was actually footage from previous episodes or maybe footage from this episode, but just, like, there's nobody, like, it's like there was never anybody else ever on the show. I will say this for them, and they did this better than Sequest did, is at least they hide the fact they're going to add two new cast members by not including them in the opening credits, which is something Sliders or uh, Sequest didn't do. When they switched seasons and changed the cast, they just put the whole cast up front when you didn't know who had survived. It was kind of a letdown, or at least on Sliders, they're like, we've lost the two O'Connell brothers. They don't want to be on the show anymore. They're definitely gone. So is this just going to be Rembrandt and Maggie from now on? I don't know. Tune in to find out. Yeah. And I thought it was. I was I was surprised that they ended up adding team members by the end of this. Back to the show. Uh, we get to meet this all test subject Quinn who, I, you know, he's saying he's Quinn Mallory. He's clearly played by a different actor and we'll get an explanation for kind of what he saw happen inside of the slide hole. Not what we, the audience, saw, but our explanation is apparently when they were in there, he he was beamed into the same slide hole. Colin burst into thousands of tiny little Collins and then disappeared. I, we didn't see that, but that's what we're told happened. And that apparently their normal Quinn, the Jerry O'Connell Quinn, then merged with the body of this new Quinn. And we quickly come to find out this new Quinn is like suffering from like multiple personalities. Apparently. Both Quins are now inside of his head because he starts talking about, like, a slide he went on with Maggie. And they're like, who are you? Are you our Quinn or a new Quinn? Like, we're very quickly, they're just like, Colin's gone. Quins have combined into this new guy. We're replacing Quinn with a new Quinn. Like, they're some really weird stuff happening very quickly off the bat. Do Have they ever had a situation before in which a double didn't actually look like the person? I'm trying to think. Because that also has to be something that they have to explain. It's like... There's a Quinn Mallory in this world. It's this guy, but he's not being played by Jerry O'Connell. He looks like a completely different actor. It's kind of hard to say in that they've definitely had doubles that don't look like the original, but no one ever comments on it. Like they've they've in the past replaced actors with new actors and then not commented on it. Right. Like Quinn's mom yes. changed in season two. I remember that. And then changed back to the original actress at some point. So like they've at up till now have decided not to make a big deal of it like they're like we recast batman he's the same batman he just looks different let's not comment on it this is the first time they're ever like well you don't look like the man we know yeah yeah and the other thing that confused the hell out of me is that what we don't at least what i didn't realize for the first 10 minutes of this episode is that where they landed is this quinn mallory's world like he yeah, that was very I, confusing. That was super confusing because he met them in the slide hole. So I'm like, okay, he's sliding. They're sliding. Now they're ending up together in this other new world. But then it turns out that they're still in his world and he knows that they're in his world. He's not confused about it. Like, I just, I find it, I found it super weird and unclear. 
Yeah, they go into L.A. There's like a climate apocalypse happening that people barely, barely comment on. But there's like a climate apocalypse happening. They go to the hotel they always go to. Jordan, the, the same bartender from Lipschitz Live is working there. Yeah, that's right. That was at least consistent. You were happy to they see him. They get that actor back. They could, Yeah, they couldn't get Jerry O'Connell back, but they got to get that guy. <laughs> For the listener, Jordan's sending private messages in the chat to Jane that I'm not privy to, but Jane's replying to everyone, so I know they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> they're not about you, Luke. Don't mm, worry. It doesn't seem like it. We're writing our own little fan fiction in the chat. <laughs> So you know Jordan's putting his full effort into the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, they end up at this new place. And like you said, Jane, it seemed like they were on a new world where an apocalypse was happening. I was like, okay, well, here's the plot. They've got a new guy, apocalypse. And then the the test subject Quinn's cell phone rings and he picks it up and he's just like, hey, everybody, the lab's sending a van to pick us up. And that was when I was just like, wait, where are they? Yeah, that's when I realized, too, that they were on his world. But then I thought, I actually thought it was even more complicated. I'm like, oh, maybe they gave him an interdimensional cell phone so that when he arrives in the other world, he can have a conversation. No, it, they're just driving over to pick him up. I thought the same thing. I'm like, interdimensional cell phone, cool. And they're like, and he's like, they're sending a van. Yeah. I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> but also, this kid is an idiot. Like, this Quinn Mallory is slow and dumb and not only, I think it's originally it's like, okay, maybe he's being slow and dumb because his brain has been fused with the other Quinn Mallory and there seems to be a little bit of confusion about who he is or whatever. But throughout the entire episode, it's extremely unclear to me and clearly to also to him, like that he seems to have volunteered for this, that this was this was something that he had agreed to do, like that he works at the company that has put him in the slide hole and what that company does and his relationship with this Dr. Geiger who hides out behind a screen. Like it literally changes every single time we have a scene with him, how he feels about it and what he thinks about it. It made zero sense to me. Well, here is what we come to learn is they get to the lab and they meet the assistant director, Dr. Diana Davis, who I think we know very quickly is going to become a, uh, another main character by the end of the episode. We'll, we'll figure this out before the episode's over. And she tries to provide some exposition. Uh, it doesn't quite explain why New Quinn is dumb, but what is happening on this earth is this Dr. Geiger has been using the slider technology to, quote, extract healthy DNA from transdimensional alternates to cure illnesses. And, and this new Quinn, this Quinn we've just met, he's one of the early test subjects who's been successful on because he used to have incurable muscular dystrophy. <laughs> this was funny. Which we never saw. Like when we saw him going into the slide hole, he was just walking into this pod where they put him in the slide hole. But then they keep talking about how he used to be in a wheelchair. This is before, before the episode started. <laughs> Again, it would have just been a good line of dialogue. He should just walk in through and be like, God, this MS is terrible. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> or just put him in a wheelchair in the, at the, in the first scene before he gets sent into the slide hole. Have him be in a wheelchair. Have him look like he needs assistance. And then when he comes out, he can walk. I don't understand but, why that was his whole storyline, but they never actually showed him having any issues at the beginning. But honestly... If you gave me a million dollars, I would never have guessed that in five years, uh, I'd be watching slide uh, after five seasons. Sliders would have cured uh, MS, you know? <laughs> well, they've done it using a device called the Combine, uh, which apparently is able to take pieces of other worlds and bring them to this world permanently. Um, 
this uh, this Dr. Diana Davis, she theorizes that um, what happened this time was when they shot a uh, new test subject, Quinn, into the wormhole. He merged with old Quinn, and uh, that's why we're seeing their brains have mixed together. And then she starts talking about, like, you know how he said he saw Colin break into a thousand pieces? I'm pretty sure what happened to Colin is that he's become unstuck in space and time and will spend the rest of his life involuntarily jumping dimensions. And I was just like, what? I'm sorry. What has happened? Yeah, he's now a Kurt Vonnegut character for some reason. Also, what a horrible, horrible thing for him. Apparently, that's that's when they get rid of characters, they just give them like horrible exits. But she's like, don't worry. We've dealt with this before. Dr. Geiger is also unstuck from time, and we just hold him in a force field shadow box to keep him on this earth. And I'm just like, oof, lots going on so far. Lots going on. Oh, and let me just say real quick. I know that this went on from Fox to the Sci-Fi Network by season four. Um, and this is the second season on sci-fi. But man, it looks like they cut the budget by like 75%, even from episode four to uh, the season four to this one. Like, it looks like they had $20. <laughs> like, that booth looked terrible. It, it looked, the whole episode looked so, so bad. It looked like an episode of Less. They, it looked like right? they had repurposed some old, like, props from the 70s to put yeah. in behind in diana's office there was like a box with lights on it that were like flashing different colors it, like it literally it looked like some kind of early like like almost like original star trek level tech yeah it was yeah. bad they, really, they really cleaned bad. out a, a supply closet somewhere and just put this <laughs> stuff in the room this is their premiere episode too so you, they spent the most money they had <laughs> on this episode <laughs> Well, I think they spent all their money on that inside the slide hole sequence. <laughs> we know Dr. Uh, Diana Davis is a good guy because she she promises to do everything she can to both unstick Colin or stick him back to time, however that would work. And then she's like, and I'm going to do my best to unmerge, unmerge the two Quins for you if I can. But our, our new Quinn, our new dumb Quinn, he goes to see Dr. Geiger and we quickly come to learn Dr. Geiger is not so good because he reveals that he purposely merged the two Quins together because he's testing to see whether he's able to merge universes because his intention is to cure his unstuckness by merging all the multiverses into a single monoverse. That's, this is his evil plan, monoverse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he but as Quinn immediately points out, he doesn't seem to have accounted for the fact that there will be an infinite mass that uh, is acquired by combining all these universes together and then the world will just be destroyed. But Geiger's like, ha ha, it's my plan. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's just techno babble for the sake of being like, we've thought it all through, everyone. We promise. Well, I think they had to, they had to come up with a reason why him combining universes was evil and not good because they've just explained like, oh, we can cure diseases by combining people. And now they have to mm -hmm. be like, oh, actually it's evil because it's going to destroy everything. And they also had to show that Quinn Mallory was still inside this guy's head because as guy Dumb Quinn is now smart Quinn. <laughs> yeah, dumb Quinn. Well, they, they, it dumb and smart Quinn just seem to fluctuate back and forth whenever necessity arises in the plot. And if you want to have smart Quinn, then maybe he'll say a few smart things for to help the exposition along, but then he'll do, revert back to dumb Quinn when you need him to be dumb. And you need him to be dumb quite a lot because uh, he goes <laughs> back to tell Maggie and Rembrandt what he's discovered. And Maggie and Rembrandt are like, oh, no, he's going to merge all the worlds. Well, we only have an hour and 10 minutes till we slide. So we're kind of in a real pickle here. <laughs> And they go to talk to Diana about it. They're like, they go to just be like, your boss seems a little evil. And they get caught on security cameras. So Dr. Geiger brings Maggie and Rembrandt to see him. And, and 
it's so weird. Like, they've just been told this man wants to combine all universes into one, which seems bad. And then Dr. Geiger's like, no, no, no. You guys need to calm down. Maybe we'll fix your problem. But why don't you all get into this stasis universe and just let me fix these things? And Maggie and Rembrandt don't question. They're just like, we won't give you the timer, but we'll all get in front of your slide gun and go into stasis for some reason. Like, they they give mm-hmm. in to this bad guy for no apparent reason. But they hold hands when they're in the universe. They're like, they go to like, uh, like purgatory or something. Yeah, and they get in there and they're like, did the, t- did the slide timer stop? And Rembrandt's like, no, <laughs> it was a trick. I'm like, all right, great. Well, so it's, it's why they shouldn't be the lead characters of a TV show. Well, it's just so funny is we've complained, Jordan, that often Maggie and Rembrandt have been shunted to the side because they don't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. They are now the only returning characters. And in their pilot episode, or their, their first season episode, they are still sh- they are sent to an alternate dimension stasis universe for a period of this episode so the other characters can have more time. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just so obvious that, like, neither of those characters have any real knowledge about the slide machine or the mech or the science behind it. They have zero agency in any of this, all of these plots involving how they're going to slide and do that, the other thing. They can't like be like, oh, let's try to fix the timer or let's try to reconfigure this so it'll be this or let's try to get Quinn out of this other Quinn by doing a thing. They can't do any of that because they're just these like passive observers. They're, you know, the comic relief. They're the sidekicks. And... They're just they just float around on in this episode, also <laughs> not doing anything. If the characters had grown at all over the course of several seasons, they could have developed more interesting personalities, and maybe that could have been the show. That yes, they're not geniuses or they're not scientists, but they now have other skills that we know as a viewer, uh, as we've watched these characters grow, and they have this is a different type of show where they solve problems in a different way. I mean, you could maybe watch that, but. Kind of to Luke's point, it's like characters who they didn't know what to do with for several seasons. Now they're just like, oh, they're the only ones we have left. Um, Let's just put them in a stasis so they still don't have anything to say. Well, with them in stasis, New Quinn goes and he tells Dr. Diana, he's like, oh, Geiger wants to merge L.A. with another L.A. just to see what happens. And she goes to confront him about that. And he's just like, Diana, just let me try it. And she's like, oh, okay, I guess I will. Um, but Quinn, dumb Quinn uses this as a distraction so smart Quinn can come out of his brain and he tries to hack the system, but that like he's immediately caught and dragged into that like same set where everyone's hanging out. And it's so weird. They're like, oh, Quinn, you tried to hack the system. Very bad. I'm going to also put you in the stasis dimension. And he turns on the, the, the machine again and then Rembrandt and Maggie reappear because apparently, to tur- I don't know, it's just to get them back in the series, in, in the scene. And then Dr. Diana's like, well, I can tell you're evil, so I'm going to point the slide gun at you. And they shoot Dr. Geiger, and he, like, the worst of special mm-hmm. effect of him, like, breaking to pieces happens. And they've, like, saved the day, I guess. Like, they stop the – I don't know. They stop the countdown. It just all kind of just happens abruptly at the end that, like, they defeat Geiger. It happens so quickly. There's a security guard. People are getting punched. There's a gun. And literally when they shoot the gun at Geiger, he goes – no, <laughs> it disappears. It is. It is. This is what I was thinking. It was like this is Tim and Eric level of effects, and like I'm just watching a guy who looks like a, a Eric Wera. It's so weird. Anyway, 
they've now all got back together because they've stopped the timer. The apo- like they cut away to LA where I forgot a climate apocalypse was happening and like the weather gets better. Everyone's like, yay, the apocalypse is over. And I'm like, was that a plot still? They kept just, it wasn't even a plot, but it was like, it was almost like a comic relief bit where there were these people at a bar and they were watching television and they were watching the news and the news was reporting on the weather. And then they would say like, there's a cloud coming. Oh, it's getting windier. It's like the world was ending, but they're not actually saying the world's ending on the news. They're just saying that the weather's getting really bad. Yeah, yeah. And every time they say it, the people at the bar take a drink at like in unison all together at the same time. And then at the end, what it's like, hey, the weather's cleared up. Everything's going to be fine. All the people at the bar are like, yay! And they take another drink. And like, they do this like four times and that's the that's just the joke. I guess it's supposed to be funny. I know. It's, it's very weird. It's very weird. Uh, the listener can't tell, but uh, Jordan's ex-wife just emailed him from the door so he's got to go get it. <laughs> <laughs> hmm? What's that? I said the listener can't tell, but Jordan's ex-wife just emailed him from the door so he's got to go get it. Oh, yeah, I got to go. That's right. Check your email real fast. That's pretty good. <laughs> anyway, the problem solved. The slide timer's hitting zero, but they still haven't figured out what to do with a problem they can't solve. We, the viewer, know they can't solve the fact two actors left, but they still have this idea that there's a weight to that because they're like, we've lost our two main characters. So Rembrandt and Maggie have to slide. The new Quinn immediately is just like, well, I'm going to slide with you because old Quinn's in my brain and maybe we can all travel together and, I don't know, find something. And they turn around to this Dr. Diana Davis and they're like, hey, you're a scientist. We could use one of those. Do you want to come with us too? And she's like, uh, I guess so. Which also makes no sense because she's just defeated Geiger and she would probably now be made head of the lab. She was the assistant lab director. Now she could be the director of the lab. She could have her career. She could, like, help cure people of muscular dystrophy and do all the things. But instead of doing that, she just decides to jump into the slide hole. I believe Maggie bullies her by saying, it's like, don't you want to learn science on the ground? (laughs) She's like, I guess so. (laughs) I guess I'll just leave my whole family and everybody that I knew because I'm a character that had no actual ties to anybody else. And I was just functional as a scientist. She does grab a bunch of instruments before she jumps into the slide hole. So I'm I'm assuming they're going to be like later on if they need to pull that out of their back pocket. They're like, oh, she pulled a transmogrifier and that helps us mask our faces when we go to Dinosaur World. It'll be something like that, I'm assuming. It was very funny. She's like, I need some equipment. And she just runs over and grabs some random things off a shelf. I'm like, what What did you just grab? Yeah, well, she went into the into Dr. Geiger's area that had previously been screened off. And like, it was like some of his stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. So paperweight. Yeah. So she's, <laughs> she's ready to go, but clearly again, no family, no friends, not a care in the world, just jumps on. But now we're ready to go. We're ready to go for season five. We've got a whole new cast and we're ready to roll. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Good luck yeah. guys. with these. How many more of these do you have to watch? Well, we're going to find out because unless you guys have any final thoughts on these two episodes, we're going to rate them. Oh yeah. Let's okay. rate them. So, Jane, Slide By Wire, the season four episode where they go to anti-tech world. Yeah, I'm going to give it a couple of points because I could tell they were trying with this relationship with Maggie and the husband and and there was trying to be a bit of a personal story there. But the whole rest of it, again, was just like all just functional plot, 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 nothing for any reason. So I I think I'd probably give it a, a three. A three. Jordan, how are you feeling about it? You know, uh, I feel the exact same way. I'm also going to give it a three. Um, and I think those three points are all for uh, uh, Jerry O'Connell be handsome. 
That's it. That's the last you're ever going to see of it. I saw. You know what? You have to give it to points. There's only a, there's a last episode we can give him points. So he's not in the next one. Yeah. So so three. Well, you guys, it's a perfect score because I'm also giving it a three. I I think of late late season sliders. This is one of their more functional episodes for what it's worth, but it's it's no better than a three. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what about the first episode of season five, The Unstuck Man, Jane? You got to see it. You got to see the final season start. This was so bad. It was so bad. And nothing like things just made no sense. They just wrote themselves in circles until they had enough pages to make the script that was the yeah. length that it needed to be. And put the commercial breaks in where they needed to be, and then just filmed something. So I'm going to give this a 1.5. 1.5, Jordan. I I think uh, that was a, a very uh, well said and articulate uh, way of saying exactly how I feel. The only thing that was wrong on it was that 0. 0.5. One out of ten. <laughs> One out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a bad episode. There's something perverse about perversely enjoyable about watching. This like show just flounder wildly as it adds new characters and has to like it's so funny watching the doubles of Quinn and Colin like they're really like they're like we're gonna keep them in the episode because we need to write them off somehow but I'm just like you the viewer just sitting there being like well those aren't the real actors what has happened between seasons yeah this is this was the equivalent of like this was Luke just to cut you off. It was like watching like a professional athlete who's now like ninety five years old and he comes back for like one more game in the pros and you're like watching this like decaying dying person. You're just like, what is this? Like, just put him out of his misery. That's how you felt about the whole sh- the show as a whole was a decaying yeah, dying that's person. Right. I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's not good. There are some just some perversely weird things to watch and be like, I can't believe any of this is happening. I'm going to go two, I think. <laughs> it's not the worst thing we've ever watched for this podcast. I don't it's it's up there, though. All right. Well, Jane, Jordan, we have now watched uh, a bunch of kind of our return to sliders. We've, we've done three full podcasts on it. And as per what we discussed earlier, uh, we're going to check the escape pod. We're finally at the point where we're going to check the escape pod because sliders was doing so poorly before. Um, we'll see where we are now. I don't think they've gotten better, but uh, we'll check the series no. average and see if we're taking this escape pod. Okay. All right. The series average right now for sliders is 4.12. So we're going to take the escape yeah. pod. Whoa! We're... I just helped you guys torpedo sliders right into the ground. Look at that. <laughs> I could have rated this like a seven or eight, and you would have had to stick with it. If I wanted to be mean about it, I could have done that. But you I'm not sure there's a grateful. rating you could have given it that would have saved it. <laughs> <laughs> it's been getting progressively worse and really sliding down the sliding down the uh, the score ratings. And you got to you got to think about this. And Jane, you saw the pilot. Yeah. It was a highly rated pilot for us to see it to see it now. This embarrassment it's become. <laughs> I am I am shocked at how much it floundered because it had so much potential. It had in the pilot had all this great stuff with like the older scientists and young Jerry O'Connell and the girl who was like kind of a bit of a tomboy. She was fun. She was interesting. She was a geek. Like Rembrandt was funny. Like there was just it was a, actually a really great dynamic team. And then it just all went flat so quickly 
Did you not watch this new uh, Quinn Mallory, though? He's dumb and smart. <laughs> smart at the same time. And also yeah. whiny and angry for a lot of reasons that we don't really understand. He's got a sharp haircut, though. Seems awesome. And who is casting these shows? Like, you're, you're recasting Jerry O'Connell with this dude? And like, <laughs> and, and this Maggie chick that you cast a couple of seasons ago is like the worst actress. Like, what is happening in television at this at this period? I I literally didn't look up the new Quinn because I'm sure uh, I will have not seen him in anything, nor did he have a career. Sorry. Sorry, no. new Quinn. And like the woman who played Diana seemed kind of okay. I don't know what happened to her either later on. I read the INDB for this and the, there was a review that came up at the bottom that I read. And the person writing it was like pretty disappointed with how season five was going. Everyone was gone. And they're like, only two good points. New Quinn is hot. And so was that security guard. He was also hot. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they had a different definition of hot in the mid 90s. This might have been a very recent review. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) At any rate, this means we're going to jump ahead. We're going to watch the series finale of sliders next week we're gonna wrap it all up there we're gonna see him become typhoid rembrandt it's finally happening if that fan fiction is accurate <laughs> typhoid rembrandt is coming oh my gosh i'm interested to hear what it turns out like now that we've experienced this fan fiction which is an alternate version of the i'm just going to imagine that the fan fiction is an alternate version of the series finale i think the part that happened that doesn't happen in the fan fiction is uh, i think everything happens they reveal the original sliders all de-aged and just one of the lines he added just to give it an extra bump. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. In the meantime, since we're skipping out, we're, we're going to end our sliders run. There's still always a chance for you to make us watch more sliders. Make sounds harsh, but it kind of is true. Uh, there's bonus episodes for charity. We're doing an initiative where uh, people can donate money to a charity as selected by our past guests. Jane, did you select one of these charities? Uh, I'm not sure. Might have. We emailed everyone and you not did. everyone yeah. got us a charity, yeah. but some of them did. Maybe Jane's charity's on there. I don't know. We could promote it now, but we don't remember what it no, is. No, I, I don't actually don't think I answered that email. <laughs> Sorry. I would have answered it immediately. That's fine. Jane doesn't believe in charity, everyone. That's what you got to take away from this. What I, I didn't actually believe that any charity that I would support that you guys would actually put it on your website. So I didn't bother. Jane, yeah, Jane's charities are very far right. We don't typically <laughs> support them. <laughs> She's really, she's supporting Insurrection 2, the sequel. That's what she's hoping to donate to. That's it. That's exactly it. But if you go to our website, continuingdrag.podbean.com, you'll find a list of charities. If you make a donation to one of those, we'll go back and watch an episode of your choosing that we either skip through, like in Sliders, where we haven't watched all of them. Maybe there's one you want us to watch. Or in some of our older shows where we've used the escape pod or done a best of, like, UFO 2012. What was that show called? Project UFO. Project UFO. Maybe there's a great Project UFO you want us to watch. Who knows? That's a way for you to get a bonus episode to come out uh, of your choosing. So um, go to the we- go to the website. Go to our social media. There's links there, and you can learn all the details. Um, and if you have any questions, just email us here, continuumdrag.gmail.com, and uh, we'll fill you in on the details. Um, other than that... On Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're going to have clips from these two shows. You're going to probably see New Quinn. You're probably going to see Anti Tech World. All the best bits of these episodes. You definitely have to show this guy yelling, No, when he gets shot by the laser cannon. <laughs> it breaks into pieces. Yeah, that'll probably be there. Yeah, but I don't even think he bro- Did he break into pieces? Did they even have that on camera? I can't even remember. It was so cheap. Everything was so cheap. They had some weird cheesy effect for it, for sure. 
Um, but that wraps up for this episode. Which is Jane, thanks so much for joining us again for more sliders. The end of sliders you get to come in for. Thanks for having me. I mean, I I am happy to be here and disappointed that I had to be here under such circumstances as these terrible episodes of sliders. But it was fun. Well, misery loves company, right, Jordan? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Listener, thank you for joining us. And Jordan, I will see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario, and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Delic and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes. <laughs>